You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. This, this is your only student ministry you've ever been a part of. And, and, and for those of you who that's the case, I, I, just, I just need to tell you that like what, what happens in here every week in Greenhouse is uh, full out incredible. Like, like coming in, um, I've been in a bunch of different churches and I know a lot of different student ministries from other churches even now. And, and, and coming in here and being with you guys and, and listening to you and watching you um, and just being around you consistently. Like, your group is uncommon. Like, our student ministry is uncommon. The, the way that you work is rare. Like, like we, have a, we have a student ministry. You are a student ministry where, um, where Christians uh, fall and stumble but then get back up and start trying to follow Jesus again. Like, you don't just collapse and fall away. You don't push people out when they fall and stumble. You draw them, you draw them back. That's rare. We have a student ministry where people who aren't Christians yet feel comfortable coming and, and investigating and being open about that. And being open about saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not really a Christian. I'm just kind of here trying to figure this out. I've got some questions. I think you people might be weird. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to test it out, all right? And they're, they're, they're okay with that. And, and the Christians are okay with that. And you don't push them out either. That's rare. We have a student ministry where, like, teenagers find Jesus and trust him with their lives and, like, become Christians. That alone, which doesn't seem like it should be rare, is rare. Like, I'm getting to baptize Haley. Where is Haley? Yeah, I'm getting to baptize Haley Sunday. You should be there, 945. We're going to baptize Haley. It's going to be awesome. Like, we, 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 and if you've never been a part of anything else, you've never been away from here in our student ministry, I, th- I think sometimes we can, we can kind of get a little accustomed to the rarity of what God does among us. And it can kind of feel a little bit normal. And this isn't. This isn't normal. This is not normal to me. Every time I walk in this room, I'm reminded of how abnormal, in a good way, it kind of has a bad connotation to it, but how abnormal this is. And I just want to tell you, man, I'm excited to get to be a part of you. I'm excited to get to lead our student ministry once again this semester and continue seeing what God is going to do through you and in you. And I have big expectations for this year. I have big expectations of what God is going to do, what he wants to do at least in your life as an individual. By, and by doing that, how, what the things he's going to do in and through our student ministry. And by that, what he's going to do in our church. Because honestly, you guys drive change in our church. Like when we do baptism services where 12 people line up and get baptized, like our church ignites a little bit because of you. You as individuals are changed, which changes our student ministry, which changes our church. And then the entirety of our community shifts because of what God does in your lives. I have big expectations for you this semester. God has big plans for us, for you as an individual sitting in this room tonight. He has big plans for you this semester. I I know God's ready to do some incredible things. I know he'll do it through individuals. So at the beginning of this year, I've I've just got some questions I I, want to ask. I want to ask you, um, have you thought about what your year is going to be about? Like this upcoming 12 months, have you, have you figured out or thought about even what your year is going to be focused on? Because you can't do everything well, 
right? You can't do everything well. You can't be the, the best friend to all 40 people in your friend group and be the most awesome boyfriend or girlfriend ever and a great son or daughter and an excellent student and the most best band whiz ever and, you know, be fully devoted to Jesus and do all these things with the entirety of who you are. Some stuff kind of gets on the back burner, right? What's not going to be on the back burner this year is kind of the question. What are you going to be focused on? What are you going to be about? What do you expect? How do you, how do you, what do you expect? How do you expect to be different? Who do you expect to be six months from now? When the semester comes to a close, who do you expect to be? Do you expect to be the same person you are right now with the same struggles, the same failures, the same weaknesses? Do you expect to be that same person? The person who hopes for something great in their relationship with God but hasn't actually seen it yet? Do you expect to be where you are? Or do, you, do you expect, like really expect God to do something to change you in the next months? Who do you expect to be? What are you going to work towards? Like, I know some of you work really hard in specific areas. In some other areas, you know you're a slacker. You're just a big old slacker, right? Like, there's some stuff you, you have to do because you're a teenager and somebody makes you, but you really don't care about that thing, and so you slack in that area. So and I'm not talking about that thing. I don't really care what you're going to slack on, but I want to know what you're going to work at. And the primary question I want to ask you tonight, the primary one that we're, that we're going to focus on in our passage that we're looking at, is, is, is this. It's kind of a weird one. It's where will you be found? Where will you be found? Early in the morning on a Thursday, six months from now, where will you be found? On a Friday night, three months from now, where are you going to be? During spring break, where, where are you going to be found? With what group of people are you going to be found? Where are you going to be found? Our passage um, is going to be in Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 42 tonight. So if you've got a Bible, if you need one, there's windowsills. Um, if you have a Bible on your phone or whatever, go to Luke chapter 2, verse 42. And, and I want that question to hang in your mind, in your heart. Where are you going to be found? Where, where will you be found this year? I want you to be able to walk out here with an answer to that question. Where will you be found? We're, we're going to walk through the book of Luke this semester together. And it's going to take the whole semester. We're not going to hit every passage in Luke because it's real long and we don't have that much time. But we're going to hit a lot of it. And so this tonight, we're, we, before Christmas, we began in Luke. And we did the, the story of the coming of Christ. And then now we're at Luke chapter 2, verse 42 through 52, the end of the chapter here. And, and I hope as we walk through this passage, you're going to learn some stuff about Jesus and that's just going to be fun. But you're also hopefully going to end up with an answer to this question, where will you be found? Verse 40, uh, actually verse 41, it says, now his parents, that's Jesus, Jesus' parents, look with me down there at verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So in verse 42, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to their customs. So Jesus and his family had a tradition. You got some traditions in your family? You ever go on family road trips? All right, so Jesus has a, Jesus and his family, they have a, Mary and Joseph and Jesus and half-brother James and whoever, right? They, they have this, this, uh, this family tradition that every year they go up to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Passover is this huge celebration um, that happened in Jerusalem every year, the same time of year, that was a celebration of when God saved his people, brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. And it was this big deal, this big deal. So they, they, every year they would go up and everybody else from all over the place would come too. And they would smash in there uh, into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So they would do the family road trip thing, except they didn't have cars. So you've been on family road trips. Raise your hand, been on a family road trip. Okay. Now, how many of you have been stuck in the back seat with a road trip sibling? 
How many of you have been stuck in the middle seat in the, yeah, God bless you, man. I don't have any siblings. I got the whole back seat to myself all the time. I laid down for all my family road trips and just slept through it. But you people, you're the real heroes, all right? So they, you have a family road trip and they, they all pack it up and they go and it's the whole thing, right? But it's, just, it's like Christmas. Everybody's on the road together. They're all traveling and it's just one big insane zoo. So they go to Jerusalem, right? And it says in verse 43, when the feast was ended, the celebration is over, you got to pack it up and go home. So it says as they were returning, the boy Jesus, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. Uh-oh. His parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in the group that they were traveling with, they went on a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. They lost Jesus. Like, you don't lose Jesus. That's not like, I mean, like, Gabriel came and, like, stood in front of you and said, I'm going to give you this son. It's going to be named Jesus. Don't lose him. Right? Like, parents lose kids sometimes. Probably most of us have been lost at one point or another. But, like, if an angel, like, proclaimed your birth, you know, like, you're the fulfillment of all prophecy, right? And, like, you're the king of kings and lord of lords. I'm going to entrust him to you two yahoos. You lost him? Right? Like, this is, like, some, like God's probably really, like, I mean, if God's going to be mad at you at something, it's probably losing his son. You probably shouldn't lose the son of God. And so, anyway, they, they leave the party. They forget Jesus. They're traveling with all their buddies or whatever. They get an entire day outside the city, a whole day's journey, a whole day. Like, they was, like Jesus was a free-range kid, apparently, and, like, they just didn't worry about it. And so an entire day later, they're like, hey, you see Jesus? And they're like, no, I don't, I don't know. And they like look all over the place, and there's, there's no Jesus. And I'm sure Mary goes into the mom tizzy. Is your, does your mom have a tizzy? Their voice gets real high. They just get completely ineffective at anything, and they just, like, flail around a lot like that. It's like a bird hitting a windshield, like that kind of thing. So Mary hits the windshield, goes into full panic mode. Joseph's like, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know, right? And so they turn it around, they turn it around, they just start trucking back to Jerusalem as fast as they can go. It's a day out, so it's a day back. Two days have passed. Jesus is like, Mom, <laughs> right? I mean, two days have passed. Two days have passed. Look, 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 get down here to verse 46. After three days, three more days. How many days has Jesus been missing? Five days. He's 12 years old. Like, there's no cell phones. Like, after, he's been gone five days. So I've, uh, in student ministry, one of the most stressful things in, in my world is the prospect of losing a teenager. Your parents don't want me to lose you, right? So I take you on trips, and sometimes there's like 175,000 of you, right? And we get on these buses, and then um, somebody has to pee because... You're a baby, right? And, and so we, somebody has to go to the best. So we have to stop at some, you know, kangaroo express in the middle of, you know, hot nowhere, South Alabama or something, right? And there's like one cashier clerk thing and there's like one bathroom stall. And you guys will line up this big old long like snake of humans outside the building. And that clerk's like, I hate my job, right? And, and so that happens. And then, and then we think we get everybody on the bus, but that count we took in the parking lot was a little iffy because you people won't get on the bus when I tell you to. So I'm not really sure how many of us there are actually. I never know, right? And so I just kind of guess, just being honest here, so you'll get back on the bus. Um, so I, I just kind of, I'm like, I, I think we're good. So what I do, I walk around to the vehicles. You've probably seen me do this. And I just do this. It's a question. And the driver's like, 
Okay, I mean, but really, it's, it's not that worrisome anymore because most of us have cell phones. I can't do student ministry in the days with no cell phones. Like when I was in junior high and up until like 10th grade, none of us had cell phones. Like the adults did, but us lowly teenagers, we didn't get them at that point because they'd been out like two years or something, and that just wasn't a thing. And so like in my day, if you were that last kid in the bathroom, you got left. Like we left people kind of a lot. And the problem was, was you didn't have a cell phone. And there was only the girl at the checkout counter. And you didn't know her. She might be creepy, right? Like, and you had to, like, go find a stranger. And, and, and our student minister finally got a cell phone. He, we, like, he almost tattooed his number on our arms. His number is 205-792-8000. I learned that 20 years ago. He said it over and over and over and over again because when we got lost, we'd call home. Jesus couldn't call home. This kid, this is a 12-year-old, y'all. You remember being 12? You can't do nothing for yourself. He's 12 years old, they have like the entirety of the people of God had just smashed into Jerusalem and had this huge celebration. He got separated from mom and dad somewhere and has been gone for five days. He hadn't seen them. No idea where they're at. He's freaking out. Mary hits the bird of the windshield and Joseph's, you know, he's just dumbfounded or something. I don't know what, you know, whatever dads do when the kids get lost, right? And I wouldn't know that. I don't lose my kids. <laughs> so they, 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 they've lost him for five days. And it says after three days, they found him. Thank goodness, you know, God's not going to smite you because you lost his key. Finally found him. Good. You did it. You're turning around here. Found him in the temple. So there's this one central temple in the whole nation of Israel. So in Jerusalem, it's, it's not, a, not an easy thing to miss. It's this monster temple there. And, and he's in this temple. And it says that he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. He's fine. Like, man, like, it's just... He's fine. He's been hanging out there for days. He's like, hey, uh, I lost my mom. Can I have some bread? Also, let's talk theology because I'm Jesus, right? And so he's having this conversation about who God is and the nature of God, the purpose of God, the prophecy of God, all this stuff with these teachers that are supposed to be these religious teachers. Like, so they're, they're in the center of the, the nation of God, in the main temple of the whole people of God, and these are the, the, the priests, the, the teachers, of the religious teachers that are there. They're the smartest of the smart people. Like they're the big dogs. And there's a 12-year-old hanging out with them, asking questions, listening to what they have to say. And then it says that, uh, we're going to find out in a minute, that verse 47, it says that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. It's a 12-year-old. It's Jesus. 12-year-old Jesus sitting there with, with all of these super smart religious teacher people. And he's having a conversation with them that says that they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. All the little Jewish boys and girls, like they, they would study the first five books of the Old Testament. They would have known this thing. Most of them would have it memorized. And, and so that, that was, that's common. But nobody's expecting a 12-year-old to have the kind of understanding he did. Because think about this. If you're having a conversation about the nature of God with God's son, right? You're like, I think God's like this. He's like, actually, no, he's really not. Because, like, I've been sitting at the right hand of the throne of God since, you know, ever, Right? And then, like, think about that, like, the, the, how weird this must have been for them to, be, to not know who this Jesus was and, and be interacting with him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us like, how much Jesus knew of, of his deity at this point. It's, it's kind of a little bit cloudy. But there's, something, there's already something amazing about this Jesus that's just starting to show up. So we get to verse 48. It says that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, <laughs> I'm going to try to do this in mom voice. And mom said to him, son, 
why have you, why have you done this to us? I, I can't get my voice high enough for mom shrill, right? I'll try again. Bobby, why are you doing like, this? I can't do it. can't do it. So why have you done this? To, why why'd you do this to us? We've been, it says, look, we've been, we, we've been, my father and I have been searching for you in great distress. We've been looking everywhere for you. Why would you do this to us? This is, the, this is your mom's voice when, when she has that tone of fury mixed with relief. You know this tone? Where she kind of hates you, but she kind of wants to, like, like, kiss your face for the next five minutes straight. That kind of moment with your, like, if you've ever gone missing, if you have parents, have you ever, like, lost you in Walmart for a little while? There's that fear, like, what were you thinking? I'm going to hug you for ten minutes, right? It's that kind of moment, and it's this intensity of it. And then Jesus replies out of this, uh, just like a 12-year-old. Look at what he says, verse 49. He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I was going to be in my father's house? Like the angel told you I was God's son, right? Like, where, where else would I be? Dummy, right? It's that 12-year-old attitude. We all had that attitude when we were 12 years old that we knew everything except Jesus actually did. And, and so Jesus says, why, why didn't you just come straight here? And Jesus, like, it's kind of hard to imagine me being somewhere else, isn't it? Like, can you imagine Jesus, like, at the first century arcade, just, like, messing with people or something? Like, no. Can you imagine, like, Jesus throwing rocks at windows in Jerusalem because he's, like, so low? No. It's the only place, like, it just seems obvious to us, right? It seems obvious because of who Jesus is, where he would be found. It seems obvious to us because of who Jesus is, where he would be found, what he would be doing, what he wouldn't be doing. We just kind of can make some assumptions based off of who he is about where he's going to be found. And that struck me. When I was looking at this passage and I was, I was kind of was like letting it kind of wash over me, trying to think about like what it, why did God put this in, in here for us tonight? And I was, I was thinking about this and I was like, I, because of who I am, it should be kind of obvious where I should be found. Because of, because of who I am in Jesus, there's some things that just are out of bounds for me. Because of the proclamation that I, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, there's some things I should be found doing and some things I should not be found doing because of who I am in Christ. And that should be obvious. You guys look at me in a way that you would expect me to be doing some things and not doing some things, right? Because of, because of who I am. I'm a Christian and I'm a student minister, so you expect me to do some things and not do some things. You expect me to be some places and not be some places, right? And that's, that's valid, because I've trusted Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. I've entrusted my entire life to him. I've been, I've been adopted as a son of God, like as a child of God. God has brought me into his family, not because I deserved it, but because he loved me enough to do that. And when I was eight years old, I, I, I tried, I, with everything I had at eight, I trusted Jesus, but I didn't live for it at all until I was 16 years old. And I said, I'm going to live my life for this Jesus. And I became a Christian. My identity changed. And it became obvious, it became, um, it should, should have become obvious where I would be found, what I would be doing, what I would not be doing. And the only difference between me and you is I'm a little bit older than you and I have a microphone on. That doesn't have any impact on eternity. If you've made that choice, if you've trusted Jesus with your life, your identity has changed. And because of who you are now in Christ, it should be obvious where you're to be found. It should be obvious where you're to be found. 
should be obvious where you're to be found uh, early in the morning before school. I, I know a lot of you never spend time with God's word. You spend so little time in prayer. But I think, for, for me at least, it's obvious where you should be in the morning before you, before you do anything else. I want you up spending time with God, and I feel like that should be obvious. That if, if you're a Christian, if you trusted Jesus through your life, there should be a part of your day where you should be found ingesting God's word, just, just soaking in it, talking with him in prayer. That should be obvious, right? Do you expect that of me? Do you expect me to sit down daily and read my Bible? Do you expect me to talk with God consistently in prayer? You should. And so why should that not be expected of you? Where should you be found first thing in the morning? Asleep or spending time with God? Where should you be found on Friday night or Saturday night? Where should you be found? Where should you not be found? At spring break, how's that going to go? Where should you be found? Where should you not be found? On Sunday morning, do you expect me to be at home watching Netflix in my pajamas? No. Do you expect me to be among the people of God celebrating and worshiping the Savior that I've trusted my life to? What should be expected of you on Sunday morning? On Wednesday night? Next weekend at Disciple Now? Where should you be? Where, where, where is it obvious that uh, you should be? Based on your identity in Christ, just, a lot of it feels obvious, doesn't it? When you phrase it like that, when I phrase it like that for myself, that brought so much clarity to so many situations. Because it just seems obvious where we should be and where we shouldn't be. So I, I just want to ask you this year, this semester, man, where are you going to be found? Where are you going to be found? If I were to walk into your second block, and, and maybe there's a group of people over here who just tear people down, and it's just kind of rotten over here, and over here there's some other people who just feel disenfranchised and don't have anybody that invests in them at all, and these people just kind of make fun of these people, and these people just cringe and bear it, where, where should you be found? Where should I look for you? Where are you going to be found this semester? I think... Um, I think that in, in Jesus' mind, it was obvious where he was supposed to be found. It just seems obvious to him. Like, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in my father's house. I'm going to be as close to God as I can possibly be. I'm, I'm the son of God. It's obvious. Where, why would you look anywhere else? Where else did you go for three days? Mom, <laughs> right? Where, he, he just felt like it was obvious and he just, I, I feel like it's obvious where we're supposed to be. I feel like a lot of what we're called to do in, is, is, is obvious to us, and I'm not really sure um, why we get so confused about this. I, 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 and I, so at the beginning of this semester, I really just wanted to start off that black and white, just that plain, and just, just have a moment just in your own mind right now where you can just have some clarity about who are you going to be this semester? Where are you going to be found? Because I think a lot of those choices are obvious. And I think if you make those choices now, while it's obvious, it's going to actually play out down the road. To do, to, to do this, because to, to, I, I, I really do, I, I really have high expectations for you this semester, for our student ministry this semester. I really want you to be different at the end of this semester than, than you are right now. So if you're a Christian in the room, and, and we're at whatever point you are in your, in your journey, I I really want you to be solid at the end of your, in this semester. 
If you're not a Christian in the room, I want you to have answers by the end of this semester. I want you to know that you know something. I don't want you to be indeci- like indecisive, like stuck in the middle anymore. I don't want that for you. I want you to know. I want, Christians, I, I want you to be amazed at, at what you learn about God this semester. I want you to be overwhelmed by the experience of grace in your life. Like, I, I want you to come to a point where you understand faith and grace to a point that it, that it just it breaks you a little bit. I want you to have more of God than you think possible. I want you to get to experience God in a much bigger way than you ever have before. And that is completely possible, but it's also completely contingent on you. And principally, it's contingent upon whether or not you are going to spend time with God this semester. You can come to every greenhouse of the semester and not change a bit. You've probably had a semester like that. You can come to every single event we do. Man, you can be the first one signed up for Disciple Now and everything else we do this semester and still not change. But I promise you, I promise you, if you spend time with God alone consistently day in, day out, no matter how much time that is, you're going to change. It's going to revolutionize who you are. You'll be unrecognizable in just a couple of months. Nothing else will change you like spending time with God consistently. Where will you be first thing in the morning? To me, it's obvious where you should be. So our student ministry, like we're the whole, across the whole student ministry, we've, we've thought, thought about this. We've thought about how can we help you do this. If the one thing that changes people the most is the word of God and spending time in prayer, then we want to help you do that. Now that's, that's kind of the bottom line. Like if that's the thing that's going to make the most impact on you as an individual, then that's what we want to help you do. So we've got a little plan, okay? Here's the plan. It's every, I, want, I want it to be your plan. Like I, it, I really want you to do this. I'm super pumped about it, okay? So let me, let me break it down. This is what's going to happen. So I want you, as an individual and collectively us, I want us to read the entire New Testament together this semester. The New Testament's not very long. It's really not. I want you to read the entire New Testament together this semester and read it well. Like, I, I, like not just like flip the page, let your eyes roll over it. I want you to write some stuff down. I actually want you to try to understand it. And I want you to read the entire New Testament this semester, Okay? If you've ever tried to do like one year Bible some stuff before or something and you got a week and a half into it and you got to like Genesis, you know, 14 and quit, um, okay, this is going to be different than that. So what we're going to do each month when you come in here we're, and everywhere else, we're going to have on Sundays and we'll put on Instagram and stuff, we're going to have a plan and tell you these days you read these things. And I've actually got cards. I'm going to tell you to go get them in just a second. Um, on the back, it's got what we want you to do with that. So there's, there's some questions that you're going to answer every single day. I want you to go get a journal. I'd, like, buy a cool journal. Like, if it helps to buy, like, one of those swanky leather ones from Barnes & Noble, then buy a swanky leather journal. I don't really care, right? Mine costs three bucks, and it's made out of cardboard. That's my journal, okay? But whatever works for you, you need it. Like, I want you to have a thing that's just for this. This doesn't need to be, like, a, a page in your math notebook. I don't That's stupid. Like, get a thing just for this, and every day you're going to answer the same questions about the passage for that day. And you're going to walk through this thing together until we've read the whole New Testament. And here's, the, here's a bonus point, okay? If, if you get behind, because you're going to get behind. At some point, like you're going to get sick or something, and you're going to miss like five days, and you're going to try to catch up, but you're going to get caught on some verse you really love, and you're not going to be able to read enough to catch up. When we switch books of the Bible, I want us all to switch books of the Bible. So if you get behind and you, you know, you're like four days from the end of Luke or something, if you really want to catch up, you can. But I want you to feel like it's okay when we switch to Acts, which is what we're going to do after Luke, 
switch with us. Let's go ahead and switch, okay? So every time we switch books of the Bible, everybody's caught up, we're all starting again together, okay? So you can't get behind, not too far, okay? That's the plan. I want you to really consider spending your semester reading the New Testament. And I promise you, your identity, like who you are, the trajectory of your life will be different because you do that. Nothing else you do this semester can, can that be set up. No matter how many practices you go to for your thing, it's not going to change the trajectory of your life. No matter how many greenhouses you come to, eh, might change the trajectory of your life. Can't guarantee it. But if you spend the semester reading the Word of God, your kids' lives are going to be different. Like, your grandkids are going to be different because you read that. Can't say that about anything else. It's about as hard as I can challenge you to do it. So in just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And what you're going to do, I want you to go get that card. I'm just going to let you have just a minute to look over it because I want you to be able to have any questions once you get to your small group. So I'm going to pray. I want you to go to a windowsill. Um, it's, it's obvious. It's the, you'll find it. Um, and I want you to come back and just have a seat and, and look it over. I'm only going to give you like 60 seconds to look it over. So move quick. Then you can go to, then we're going to send you to your small groups. Okay? All right, let me pray for you. Father, um, I know that you have bigger plans than we do for us this semester. That, that you're able to do more in our lives than we think possible. God, because sometimes it feels like uh, life is fixed. Like there's, there's just nothing that we can do to get out of kind of the patterns that we're in and the turmoil we're in and the struggles that we're in, the sin that we're in. It feels like nothing can be done about it. But God, I know that you can. And I know that you can do that through your word and through prayer. So Father, I pray that you would you would impress upon each one of us right now a desire to do this, a desire to, to know where we're going to be found first thing in the morning, to, to choose right now whether we're going to spend this semester with you or once again spend it away from you. God, help us to choose now to dedicate this semester to you. God, help us to, to be honest about where we're going to be found. Senior sons, let me pray. Amen. All right, so the three center windowsills, grab one of those cards. Actually, if y'all want to grab some chunks of them and pass them out, that might be faster. I want you to have a seat. Grab one, have a seat. Somebody wants to pick up the stack and pass it out, that'd be faster. Once you've got one, grab a seat. Once you've got one, grab a seat. I really do want you to sit down. I'm going to tell you some stuff to do with it. I'm going to tell you some stuff to do with it. Get one, sit down. Don't, don't go to your groups yet. Just sit down. I really want you to sit down. I'm going to tell you some stuff to do with it. All right. I think everybody's got one. Sit. Okay. So on the front, you've got your dates, right? On the front, you've got the dates about what you're supposed to do. That's pretty self-explanatory. On the back, there's some things on there. The first thing uh, on there is, is a prompt to pray. I literally want you to do that. 
Like, I, I don't want you just to, like, check the box or something and, like, say a one-sentence little prayer. I want you to spend some good time with God asking him to, to speak to you from his word during the next time that you're going to be reading this passage, okay? I really do want you to do that. That last prayer section on there, again, it's not just a box to check. That's an opportunity to really pray through what you just read. Like, there there's, should be something, like, you're going to have to write down what you're going to do about the passage that you read. If you can't figure out what to do with it, you're not done studying it yet. The Word of God is supposed to change us, and so if we don't know what we're supposed to do about it, it can't change you. So you have, to, you have to fill out that section about what you're going to do about that passage. Then you're praying about God helping you to do that thing. I really do want you to use that process. Like I, I want you to use those questions every single time. If you want to add questions or something, that's fine, but I at least want you to do what's there, okay? You're not going to write it on the card because that's, you know, that's just one thing. That's just to help you get started. So the last thing I want you to do is if you have a phone with you, I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to take a picture of the front and a picture of the back in, in case you're that one kid who can't keep up with anything. Um, you'll keep up with your phone. So take a picture of the front. Take a picture of the back. 